Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. The draft has finally come and gone. I can stop talking about prospects and where they may end up and I can finally start talking about their landing destinations. Today's episode, I'm going to be going over my favorite drafts. I'm going to be talking about some of my favorite fits and I'm also going to be talking about some steals that happened along the way. Be sure to stay tuned for it all. There's definitely a few clear winners in this draft. Others may have come out you know, a little more head scratchers of drafts, but hey, you can't really judge until there's a couple years have passed because you just never know with these types of things. It really is all projection at the end of the day, but I think there are really some clear winners here, so I'm going to go over each individual one of those, then I'm going to get into my best fits, and then I'm going to talk about some steals at the end of this episode. If I sound <clears throat> a little bit under the weather, it's because I am. So just bear with me here. Uh, my voice is a little messed up, and I might be coughing a little bit on this episode. But let's get right into it, guys. I'm looking forward to it. So first and foremost, let's get the easy ones out of the way with some of these draft winners. There's definitely a few teams that you have to address right off the bat. I think one of the biggest winners of this weekend, and again, it is hard to define a winner in a draft that, you know, these guys haven't even stepped on the NFL field yet. But I think a really, really big winner in this year's draft was the Arizona Cardinals. I loved what they did. Um, Paris Johnson Jr. was their first pick at six. They actually traded down for him. They started at three, moved down to six. Um, when the Houston Texans called up and moved up for Will Anderson at the number three overall pick. But, I mean, the value they got and also the draft capital they <clears throat> inherited from trading down was nothing short of impressive. They now have two first-rounders next year to show for it. They also have, uh, I don't think they have two first or two second-round picks, sorry about that, but I think they have two-thirds. It's just really impressive the haul they got in terms of trading down, especially with a roster like where they're at, where they've got a bunch of holes. I think Tarek, taking Paris Johnson Jr., who is likely the best, at least versatility-wise, tackle in this draft class to get him at six was a great steal. Protect your long-term quarterback in Kyler Murray. But they got four legit starters in my opinion with their first four picks and that's really what's separating their draft and the capital they got as well but to get bj ojalari at pick 10 in the second round he's going to be an immediate starter and again fills a need for them so paris johnson bj ojalari not only going to make an immediate impact but also fulfilling a need at a premium position while you know still getting more assets Garrett Williams at in round three at pick nine. This is one that's definitely dependent on health. I mean, if he was healthy, I don't believe he made my top 10 cornerback list. I'd have to go back and check it. I think he was either just outside or maybe he was like nine or 10. Um, either way, he was someone that was definitely on my radar. Really, really phenomenal film. Just again, dealing with some injuries there. If he can come back healthy, that I think that's another day one starter. Has some versatility playing inside and outside as well. And then Michael Wilson with the third pick, or sorry, with the 31st pick in the third round. That's a great value. I loved Michael Wilson. I was a lot higher on most. I believe he was fifth in my receiver rankings. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot that this guy can't do. His releases are picture perfect. He got comps to Devontae Adams for a reason. He's got a really big frame, a really big catch radius, got a lot of intangibles you can't teach. Obviously doesn't have the top end burner speed, but is able to separate with how quick his feet is. And again, releases are everything. His release package is incredible. Bigger physical guy can beat press, and I really, really like this pick for the Arizona Cardinals. As far as what else they did late in the draft, there wasn't anything too crazy going on. I think John Gaines is a good depth piece, could possibly, you know, end up being a starter for guard at them. So, high upside pick there. Clayton Toon coming out of Houston. Again, a really solid backup to Kyler Murray, which, again, might be important with Kyler Murray's health issues coming up. Um, obviously, you never wish an injury upon anybody, but it's happened once before. It can happen again. Clayton Toon might be a solid backup in this league. And one more pick I want to highlight out of this draft is Owen uh, Papo, I believe, how you say his last name. Really, really athletic linebacker coming out of Auburn, obviously very raw in terms of a prospect and has a lot to do, has a lot of work to do, but just has a lot of intangibles that you can't really teach. Taking someone like that in the fifth round, I think is a really, really good pick for the Arizona Cardinals. Let's move on to a team that everyone is talking about. You absolutely have to include them in any, you know, winner's draft, um, or sorry, winner's, you know, draft evaluation. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I don't know how they can keep getting away with this. The fact that they got Jalen Carter 
at number nine. I mean, it makes total sense why he was there. I kind of predicted that he would fall this far anyways. I thought there was a chance that the Bears would take him if he was there because that's such a position of need, and Eberflus really does value the three-tech in a huge way, but I totally get why they didn't do it. Um, I think Philadelphia is an absolute perfect landing spot for him with all the veterans they have in that locker room. You can really, you know, obviously the the biggest knock on Jalen Carter was all the legal issues that came up. He wasn't able to finish his pro day because he was just too exhausted. So there was definitely some red flags there with scouts in terms of personality issues and work ethic issues. Obviously, you know, know the whole scenario um, going on. I mean, the mental strain it has to take to leave the combine early because your name is being involved in a trial that involves, you know, someone's death. Furthermore than that, a teammate's death, that's got to be extremely mentally straining. So I can only imagine what he's going through. Um, but again, the Eagles, just a perfect landing spot for him. I get why the Bears traded down the one spot, absorbed a fourth round pick from the Eagles and took Darnell Wright. It's a very young team. I don't know if someone like this would really fit their locker room and maybe they're worried about his character getting in the way. Eagles, I don't think they're going to be worrying about that at all. With all the veterans and the, you know, the championship mentality in that locker room, I think it's an absolute perfect fit. And to pair him with Nolan Smith at the 30th pick in the first round, it's just fucking stupid. It's it's insane. Nolan Smith got a ton of comps to Hassan Reddick coming out of college. I absolutely see it. I believe Hassan is still under contract for quite some time, but just to add another depth piece like this, and again, intangibles are everything. Nolan Smith has all the intangibles. On top of being a great leader and getting a ton of praise from coaches in Georgia and his teammates as well, um, he just is such a good fit for this team and even if he's just a depth piece or rotational piece you know opposite Hassan or playing in, in you know place of Hassan if something happens or you know he just needs a breather you're basically not going to lose any production at that position it's crazy that they keep getting away with this and I just can't believe that Nolan Smith fell this far I really thought that Nolan Smith had a chance to be a top 10 pick kind of surprised he didn't based off how teams are reacting to him I mean I heard he interviewed amazingly I heard that everyone wanted to talk to him again um, I heard that a lot of the the matter of fact was that he just wasn't playing in a position where he's going to be playing in the NFL. They had him playing a lot of five technique, even four I at times. He's a really good run defender for his size, but in the NFL, he's going to be playing a lot more wide nine, seven technique. They're just going to ask him to turn the corner, uh, run as fast as you fucking can and beat those tackles to that spot. And I mean, with four, three, seven speed, he's going to be able to beat a lot of tackles in the NFL level. Beyond that, Tyler Steen, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Again, just a guy coming out of the SEC, has faced the highest competition. It's such an Eagles pick. If you look at all their picks, I mean, they really picked guys that have been established. They know what they're doing. Um, they've been playing against really good competition. Tyler Steen, no exception to that. Sidney Brown, their next pick, round three, pick three, uh, brother of, is his name Nick Brown? I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Running, uh, It's Sidney and... I believe it's Nick Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, uh, DB out of Illinois, safety there. Really, really, really athletic player. Um, again, comes into a role. Cha Chauncey Gardner-Johnson obviously left in free agency. I don't think their play style is exactly similar, but, I mean, to get another safety to add for depth definitely helps. Keely Ringo at round four. I was much lower on Keely Ringo than consensus in many aspects, and I, had, I think I had him ranked as, like, my eighth cornerback in this year's draft there were a lot of flaws in his tapes in terms of fluidity his hips weren't very active and i think that he can kind of get caught in his heels too many times he doesn't um necessarily attack the ball but his straight line speed is phenomenal he can press against bigger corners because he is a much bigger corner himself and he's only 20 years 20 years old so you could argue that some of his deficiencies in terms of breaking on the ball quicker are a mental thing and not exactly a physical thing there's definitely you know a reason to think that he's only getting better with his age and frankly i mean again i was lower on him the most but to get him at 105 overall he is most definitely better than the 105th player in this year's draft and i cannot believe he fell that far even tanner mckee who again is not gonna be starting for this team but i cannot fucking believe he fell to the sixth round and furthermore moro ojamo the defensive tackle out of texas who's a very versatile guy did a lot for texas last year had a really good season for them i don't know why the fuck he fell to the seventh round pick 32 um not quite mr irrelevant but just about there 249 overall i don't i don't know if there's like a medical thing if there are character issues because obviously the teams are the ones you know getting to know these guys on a personal level 
But just from a talent standpoint, Mauro Jamo is far better than a seventh-round pick. I thought he was going to go somewhere in the fourth, probably. Uh, maybe the fifth round, but seventh round is just absolutely ridiculous to get him there. And again, if it isn't, if it is a character issue, this is the team you wanted to go to. They can definitely keep his head on the wraps. A lot of veterans, championship mentality, and just maybe the best draft out of any team in the NFL. And this team was just in the Super Bowl, so all credit is due to Howie Roseman. He absolutely murdered this draft. I think if there's, I think. The first three teams I'm going to mention are kind of in a tier of their own, and it kind of falls off from there. I think Arizona absolutely murdered this draft. I think the Eagles murdered this draft. And finally, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely killed this draft. They traded up with New England to get Broderick Jones. That was their guy. Obviously, New England was in a spot to take tackle, and they were trying to get ahead of a few other teams that could have taken tackle as well, like the Jets. The Jets ended up opting for Will McDonald at pick 15. I believe it was 15. Um, because largely because Broderick Jones is not there, so I don't mind the aggression. Obviously, there's a little bit of concern in his game, but again, played at Georgia, um, played really well, and just matches the personality of this team. To get Joey Porter with the first pick in round two is fucking ridiculous, and honestly, it bothers me even more that this pick is from Chicago. Obviously, it was part of the Chase Claypool trade, but I'll talk about Chicago a little bit later. I'll probably get to that at the end of this episode because, frankly, I didn't mind Chicago's draft. I just thought day two, we kind of butchered it. And to have this pick here and be able to get a guy like Joey Porter if we wanted to or whoever it might have been. I mean, honestly, I would have loved Keanu Benton in that spot. The Steelers ended up getting him with their second-round second, second round pick, though their own pick in that spot. That was a fantastic grab for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, another guy that really just fits the culture of this team. Versatility along the defensive line, and he's going to be learning from one of the best in Cameron Hayward. Probably going to be his eventual replacement. Really, really good move for the Pittsburgh Steelers there. And then again, this is another pick that really confused the shit out of me when he fell this far. I, I've heard there's medical issues, so I guess that makes some sense, but medical issues or not, Darnell Washington should not be going 93. That is just crazy to me. The amount of things he can do physically that just basically no other tight end in this draft can do is just mind-boggling to me. He tested out the fucking gym. He looked incredible at the combine. Obviously, I don't know what this dude's personality is like or anything like that, but I mean, he showed his tape was a little spotty here or there, and he's not exactly a great receiving threat, but there's moments of absolute greatness in his film, and I thought for that he would at least go in the second round. To get him with one of the last picks in the third round, it's just an absolute steal for the Pittsburgh Steelers, someone I really wanted on the Bears personally, and I cannot believe he fell this far. I, I didn't ever talk about my tight end rankings publicly, but I probably would have had him as the third best one, maybe even the second best one in this class, purely because... Obviously, he doesn't have the same tape as Michael Mayer, and um, he's not as productive as him nearly if you just look at the stats. But, I mean, from a physical standpoint, he just brings so much more to the table that Michael Mayer doesn't bring, especially because Michael Mayer honestly underwhelmed testing as an athlete, and he really doesn't create much separation on tape. Not that Darnell is a guy that's going to be a great separator, but at least there's some traits there to think that, you know, that can translate, and he can do that. Pick four, or sorry, round four at pick 30. I guess their fifth pick in this year's draft. They took Nick Herberg, a linebacker out of Wisconsin. He was a really, really undersized edge rusher, but just extremely productive for the Badgers last year. And I think this is about the range where he was going to go off the board. But for this team specifically, you know, learning from TJ Watt, learning from guys like Alex Highsmith, and just another rotational piece that's going to be used on third downs, obvious passing downs, and et cetera. It's a really good ad for this team, especially when you're going to be facing teams like the Bengals um, that, you know, very pass-heavy teams. And I absolutely love that pick. I think it's an absolute steal. One more time, going to repeat myself. Don't know how the fuck this guy was here. Obviously, there's medical concerns, but round seven for Corey Trice, if you just look at his film and you look at the physical, you know, intangibles that he has, the length, the speed... That's not someone that should ever go 241. I don't know why the fuck he was here, but excellent pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Corey Trice coming out of Purdue, cornerback. Excellent, excellent player. And seriously has potential to be a starter year one. For a seventh-round pick, that's absolutely massive. Let's talk about... This is where we get to, I think, the second tier. I think leading the way has to be the Seattle Seahawks. I think their first round really carries them in a lot of ways. Um... You know, you can kind of order these guys however you want, or the, order these teams, but let's just talk about Seattle first, because I think their first round was such a home run that you just, 
need even if they missed on the rest of their picks which you know some of these guys might not end up working out at the next level i mean i think in at a very minimum their first four picks are going to be pro- somewhat productive get playing time and you know have the ability to be plus starters i mean starting with devon witherspoon as far as you know a player matching a scheme and matching what a team likes to do he's got the legion of boom written all over him i mean this dude is absolutely fearless obviously my number one cornerback in this year's draft absolutely loved his film basically had no flaws in it whatsoever i was a little concerned about his athleticism he went to his pro day ran in the four fours addressed that problem immediately not scared to play downhill tackle and run support and can seriously lock up man to man very very physical corner uh, maybe needs to put on a little more mass he's a little bit small but really not a big deal there and I'd rather have someone be a little too aggressive, a little too grabby, and try to, you know, bring him back than try to, you know, put that dog into someone's game, have him be a little more aggressive, a little more grabby. I just don't really think that. I think the latter is a much better way better way to draft. And then JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba at 20 in round one. I mean, by far and away the best receiver in this class, and I don't even think it's close. If you listen to my receiver rankings, I had him in a tier entirely by himself. Maybe he's only going to be a slot-only guy in the NFL, but damn, he might be one of the best ones in the league when it's all said and done. Um, He is phenomenal. He is definitely easily the best receiver in this draft. To start the receiver run there at 20 and then four go, or uh, sorry, three go right after that, so four wide receivers in total taking back-to-back-to-back-to-back. And for them to get the best out of that group, I thought the Seattle Seahawks absolutely killed it. They're opening the window for Geno Smith, and their championship window is now. Um, The receiving core of JSN, DK, and Tyler Lockett, that's fucking nasty. That's in contention for the best receiving core in the league already before he's even stepped on the field. I just feel like he's so polished as a player. And again, maybe some people are worried about the hamstring, and maybe some people are worried about him leaving his teammates. That was a business decision. He was going to be a first-round pick regardless. He was so damn productive in that 2021 season, and I just really don't see a way where this pick fizzles out at all. I think he's going to be really productive at the next level. Derek Hall might have been a little early for him. I probably would have taken BJ Ojolari here, but I don't hate the pick at all. He's a really solid player. Um, again, one of these guys that seems to be a leader in the Auburn's locker room. I believed he was nominated to the, either the second or first team All-SEC team. Um, actually, I think it was second team because I think it was Will Anderson, BJ, and then he made the second team. But either way, leader on the field. He's got really long arms despite his frame. He uses his frame really well to get leverage because he's only 6'2", but with those long arms, you know, you really can't... It's hard to, you know, really plant and grip this guy because he's just so low to the ground. He's basically always winning the leverage battle. And then another pick that I didn't love at first, but the more I think about it, I think it totally makes sense, especially because Kenneth Walker had some inconsistencies last year. Obviously, he dealt with a little bit of an injury bug at the end of the year. He was absolutely phenomenal at the beginning. But to get Zach Charbonnet as your RB2 in this backfield, again, I think it really just fits the identity of this team. This team wants to run the shit out of the ball. They want to run heavy play action. They want to play good defense. And I think Zach Charbonnet just really fits the identity of this offense. Not going to kill you with breakaway speed, but that's what Kenneth Walker is going to bring for you. Kenneth Walker is going to be the home run hitter. Zach Charbonnet is going to get those tough yards for you. And that's something Kenneth Walker kind of struggled with last year. So I really like that pairing. And Zach Charbonnet, at the end of the day, if something ever happens to Kenneth Walker, he can totally be a workhorse in the NFL. He can play all three downs. I don't know how good his pass protection is, but he really can play all three downs. And at the end of the day, it's maybe a pick you don't absolutely need to make, but I like it for those reasons. Um, some of the other picks, you know, are kind of washes. I don't know too much about these guys, but round seven, 237 overall, Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia. That's another really, really good fit for the Seattle Seahawks. They last, they lost, excuse me, Travis Homer this offseason, their best um, receiving running back in that backfield last year. Kenny McIntosh was extremely productive for the Georgia Bulldogs over the last few years. Obviously lacking that breakaway speed, but seriously can be a really good receiver out of the backfield. It can do a lot for an offense and a really good third down back for this team up next let's talk about the indianapolis colts this team had a fuck ton of picks but i really think where they shine is in the first five rounds i mean evan hall frankly was a really good pick too oh no he was in the fifth round as well um but right off the bat anthony richardson at four great fit love that they made that decision uh read options with him and jonathan taylor in the backfield obviously you guys have heard a ton about him not too much to say there but really good fit in their offense um I hope they can get the most out of him. And again, Shane Steichen's now there. 
former offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Anthony Richardson got a similar skill set to Jalen Hurts. He obviously brought out the best of him last year, led him to a Super Bowl. So can he do something similar with Anthony Richardson? Time will tell, but either way, I really like the pick. Round two, I pick 44, and this is another guy. I can't believe he was here. I had a first-round grade on him. Um, Absolutely love this guy. Julius Brents out of Kansas State. That is a fantastic pick to replace Stephon Gilmore. He's got length for days, a lot of intangibles. He also tested pretty well. That was something that I was a little bit worried about him when he was going into the combine. He tested pretty well. Um, And again, just so many intangibles, really, really great length. Love what he was able to do at the collegiate level. Held his own against guys like Quinton Johnson. And this is a pick that I absolutely love for this defense, love for this team. Think they needed to replace Stephon Gilmore and get another corner. Julius Brandt's going to be a long-term starter. To get him in the second round of 44, steal of a pick. I'm not going to say this pick is a steal, but I like the value of it because this is about where I had Josh Downs going, if I had to guess. Maybe situationally I had him going a little bit higher, but uh, just depending on how the receivers' runs played out. The receivers honestly went a lot differently than I thought they were going to. The The... Run of four in the first round did not surprise me at all, but after that, I was kind of surprised of how they ended up falling and where they ended up going. Running backs was another position group that really surprised me. I don't know if I was just super off of my evaluations, but a lot of guys lasted a lot later than I thought, and guys like Kenjay Miller went a lot earlier than I thought they would go, but hey, I'm not a scout. This is just me you know, doing this for fun. I was just genuinely surprised by all of this. Anyways, let's get back to Josh Downs, round three, pick 79. Um, a guy that I definitely am a lot lower on than some, but hey, pretty fucking good tape, t- tested pretty well, really good contested catcher for his size, that's really what he's known for. I don't know how translatable that is at the next level, but as far as a schematic fit and what he's going to do for this offense, this offense already has perimeter guys like Michael Pittman, like Alec Pierce to add a guy in the slot that's got some twitch and can be a reliable you know, third down end zone target in Josh Downs, I like that a lot. Blake Freeland, a pick I don't necessarily love. It felt a little early for him. He really, really athletic, uh, huge tackle at 6'8", but just kind of messy in his tape, lacks in inconsistencies. Um, I think he's going to be better in a gap scheme, which, again, they're going to run a lot of here. Um, but I just don't really love that pick. But past that, I mean, they have some picks that I absolutely love here. The fact that Adi Tamiwa Adibare... Lasted to 110 and round four is fucking stupid. Again, I don't know if there's something I don't know here. I don't know if there's like a medical concern or a personality thing or what the fuck happened. But just based off his testing numbers, and again, this is a really bold statement, it's comparable to like what happened with Trayvon Walker. I mean, Trayvon Walker's tape was not great. It was good, but it wasn't great. Adi Tommy was obviously a step below that. Definitely not as good as Trayvon Walker's. But as far as intangibles... That's why Trayvon went number one overall, because he had all these tools you absolutely cannot coach up. Adi Tomiwa's got something very similar. To run in the 4-4s at his size, that's just something that's very, very rare. And honestly, it's not even like necessarily a schematic fit. I just think that they just couldn't let him drop any further. I think he's going to be best at, on an odd front as an edge, or as a end, a defensive end, they're going to make him play edge because they they run an even front over there, but I mean, from his athleticism standpoint, he can totally do it. Um, I need to see a little bit more from him. Again, don't know why he fell this far at all, just based off intangibles, but hey, good for the Colts to get him at 110. This is another guy I was probably higher on than most, but to get Darius Rush at 138 in round 5, that's another steal of a pick. Obviously playing opposite there of Cam Smith. This is a really long corner, really physical corner. Um, was more of like the man-to-man lockdown guy to cam smith's more of like the press zone you know gonna help and run support maybe be a, a nickel at the next level darius rush is a true outside corner with elite size um pretty good speed and to get him in the fifth round is an absolute steal of a pick two more picks that i really liked from this draft for the indianapolis colts was evan hole north another northwestern boy 176 uh he was their offense he was a really really big part of their offense because they're quarterback play was so bad last year at Northwestern. I really liked what I saw from him at times on film. And then 221, Jalen Jones, Texas A&M, another guy, sixth round. Um, Just a really good value pick. I thought he was going to probably go in the fourth or fifth round. And a really good pick there for the Indianapolis Colts. Up next, let's talk about Kansas City. I feel like part of the reason why I have Kansas City in my winners here is because 
I feel like I can just never doubt Kansas City, even if I don't like some of their picks. I mean, I just feel like you've got to trust them because they've been so consistently good at drafting. They start so many rookies. I think they started like eight rookies in the Super Bowl last year, which is just fucking ridiculous. I don't know if that's a record or maybe I should have looked that up beforehand, but they're extremely good at drafting rookies. It's why they're so good at managing their cap space. It's why they're so competitive. And I think this draft is no different for them. They addressed an immediate need at the end of round one. Uh, if Will McDonald was there, it would have been the most picture-perfect fit ever. But hey, Felix and Aduki Uzama um, going to fulfill a need there at edge now that Frank Clark is gone. Really productive at his time at Kansas State. Um, has a good mix of power and, and bend. One of these guys, kind of like a Derek Hall, where he's not the biggest guy, but has a really long arm, so he uses his leverage pretty damn well. Up next, round two, 55 overall, Rasheed Rice. Um, I didn't really know where she was going to go, and maybe he was a guy that I slept on a little bit, especially because his measurables were really fucking good. Pretty good 40 time, really good split, uh, really, really good broad and vertical jump. He's going to be able to do a lot for this Kansas City team, and this was a player that they were definitely missing in their offense. They've got a lot of these smaller slot guys like Sky Moore, like Kadarius Tony, those types of players. Um, they've kind of been missing... Even Juju when he was there, he's more of a slot guy. They had him playing on the outside a little more because they have so many guys that just play in the slot better. Um, Rasheed Rice, true outside receiver, true X, and definitely fulfills a need there for the Kansas City Chiefs. Going to be catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. So obviously, anytime a receiver is catching, catching Patrick's passes, excuse me, uh, definitely worth noting for fantasy football once that comes around. Around three, pick 92, Wanya Morris, really, really highly... Um, recruited out of high school i believe he was a five-star recruit coming into oklahoma had some inconsistencies with injuries and stuff like that but really really solid right tackle again dresses another need um very very high upside with this pick and again the chiefs really good at developing off i mean they're good at developing fucking every position but really good at developing offensive linemen we've seen that in years past um just happened with trey smith and um what was the other late round pick they had at tackle oh man this is gonna bother me Trey Smith, and um, I should have written this down because I, I knew I was going to mention it. Um, fuck. Who the fuck is their tackle? They took so late that ended up being... Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're really good at developing offensive linemen. I think this is no difference here. I really like the Chamari Connor pick out of Virginia Tech. Again, really good at developing uh, late-round corners and safeties. This guy can do a little bit of everything for you. BJ Thompson, Quandre, Keandre... Corbin, excuse me, uh, Co Coburn, I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, more of a pure nose tackle, but just fits what they want to do up front. They love adding to their big guys. Uh, another guy to you know put opposite Chris Jones and just let him absorb double teams. Not really going to add much as a pass rusher, but as a space eater, you know, filling up two gaps at one time, you know, forcing double teams so you have more one-on-ones with Chris Jones. That's what he's going to do for you, and that's a really good value pick in round six. Up next, let's talk about the New York Giants. New York Giants didn't have too much depth in their draft, um, but their first three picks, I think they absolutely killed it out, like nailed it, just rocked it out of the park. Um, traded up one spot to get go get their guy in Deontay Banks. I think that's a really good fit in Wink Martindale's system. This is a guy that has, again, a lot of intangibles, really, really good speed, really good length, um, pretty good at tracking the ball, can sometimes overcompensate a little bit and then have to backtrack and catch up to guys but he has that type of makeup speed um really really liked him coming out of maryland and again just from an intangible standpoint from a combine testing standpoint he checks every single box and his film was pretty damn good too so i love that pick at 24 for him again addresses a need this is crazy to me the fact that they got john michael smiths in my opinion by far and away the best center at least the most polished center i don't really think that's up for debate obviously his criticisms were that he's not quite as athletic a guy, as guys like Joe Tittman and some other guys in this class. But as far as polish goes, and he's scheme versatile, and he's been a four-year starter at Minnesota, I don't think he's even missed a game. I could be making that up, but I think that's a fact. Um, love that pick. Again, addresses a need, going to be a day-one starter. In my opinion, the best center in the draft class, and the fact that he fell to 57. The fact that Joe Tittman was taking over him, really surprising to me again maybe with Tittman you're betting on the athleticism but just from a pure polish standpoint and game readiness it kind of comes back to that conversation of Peter Skaronski and Paris Johnson I think Peter Skaronski is much more polished I think he's going to be an all-pro guard one day um I think he can play left tackle but I really think his position in the NFL is going to be guard and Paris Johnson just a little bit less polished but a little more 
of an athletic freak and probably going to be a tackle in the future. Kind of similar with Tittman and John Michael Smith. John Michael Smith's not nearly the athlete that Joe Tittman is. Joe Tittman's got some versatility playing guard and center. He's a really fucking big center at 6'6". But John Michael Smith's just polished, going to be a long-term starter in the NFL and probably make a couple Pro Bowls at center. That's an excellent pick for the New York Giants. This next pick, kind of controversial, but I really don't think it is because of the value they got it at. Round three, pick 73, Jalen Hyatt going one pick before his other Tennessee teammate, Cedric Tillman. Pretty cool to see those guys go back-to-back. Um, but I get the criticisms because from a schematic fit, they already have a lot of these slot-only slash speed guys. They don't really have like a true X that's going to separate and man-to-man and do all that kind of stuff. But from a value standpoint and from what you can do with Jalen Hyatt, and just, again, the intangibles, the speed, the explosiveness, the broad jump really shows that explosion. Um to get him at 73 in the third round even though i was much lower on him than some i think i had him as like my seventh ranked receiver i think i even had cedric tillman slightly above him to get him in the third round is a really really good pick and even eric gray in the fifth round i guess i didn't didn't say i love their depth but eric gray at 172 coming out of oklahoma this is a guy with running back size um has some pretty good tape and has done it consistently for oklahoma saquon barkley under the franchise tag i don't know if he's still holding out last i heard he was until they got the figured out for a long-term contract if that ends up being a problem eric gray can be your starter there and i really like that pick for the new york giants let's talk about some teams that just missed my winners list and i think they could totally you know three years from now we could be talking about how much they killed this draft um and maybe this first team does deserve to be a winner because i think their three their first three picks are absolutely killer for the for what they're trying to do especially their first two picks i think they absolutely just fucking nailed it out of the park but i couldn't quite put them in the winners because either they just didn't have as much depth in their class or they didn't have as as much picks so again not going to help the depth there but let's talk about the buffalo bills their first two picks fucking fantastic i mean first three picks are pretty fucking good but first two picks literally could not have gone better for them in my opinion don kincaid the only reason why i don't have him in the winners is because his role I'm not going to say it's redundant because he's such a good player. You can find ways to get him on the field with Dawson Knox at the same time. But it is a little bit weird to me that they prioritize Dalton Kincaid so much. Don't get me wrong. He's a really fucking good player. But when you already have a guy like... Excuse me. um, Like... I just forgot his fucking name. Like the guy... Dawson Knox. There we go. Like Dawson Knox. They've got a very similar skill set. They're not exactly known as run blockers. They're more of like these big slot possession guys. But Don Kincaid is just fucking fantastic. This is probably telling that they're not going to extend Dawson Knox because I don't believe they've done that yet. Um, and again, Don Kincaid going to fit in this offense really nicely. I would have maybe liked to see someone with a little more run blocking ability. I wouldn't have hated Michael Mayer here. But overall, as a prospect, Don Kincaid is just better, in my opinion. And from such a heavy passing offense, I really like this pick. Um, I also maybe am a little bit lower on it because... I mean, maybe this isn't fair because he went so... You know what? I'm I'm not going to make the point I was going to make. Um, let me just say... It, let me put it this way. I think there is a serious concern that they didn't address right tackle in this draft. I think moving forward with Spencer Brown can be a little bit of a concern. But to help out Josh Allen along the offensive line, and this is, again, a position of need, Osiris Torrance in the second round at pick 59. This is a guy that I had consistently mocked them in the first round. For them to come back around in the second, very similar to the Giants scenario where I would have been totally happy with the Giants taking John Michael Smiths in the first round at pick 24. I would have been totally fine and happy with the Bills taking Osiris Torrance at pick 25. Instead, they wait till the second round end up getting him anyways. That's a great value pick. One of the very best guards. Honestly, probably the best guard in this draft it's between him and steve avila you can kind of swap them out however you want but to get him there at pick 59 absolute steal of a pick and a position to need i love that the bills made that move up next dorian williams round three pick 91 again really really athletic linebacker really good in coverage a little undersized so not going to play the run as well but kind of replacing that tremaine Edmonds role for you obviously not the freak that Edmonds is but i mean for what he's going to do from a schematic standpoint Tremaine Edmonds was an excellent cover linebacker last year for the Buffalo Bills. Dorian Williams is going to be filling in a similar role for them. And maybe some people are saying it's a little bit high for him. I don't think it is. I really like what they did. Up next, the last team that just barely didn't make the cut for a winner is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I 
maybe I'm a little bit too high on this draft, and I think a lot of it really does depend on how Cody Mock does. Is it Cody Mock or Cody Mach? I don't even remember. But I, it feels a little weird. They definitely needed a tackle, and Cody Mock was a tackle at North Dakota State, but I think his playing in the NFL, he's probably going to switch to guard. Um, but I think identity-wise, he absolutely fits what this team is trying to do. I think this team is going to be running the ball a lot more next year. I love how he, what he can bring to the table there in terms of physicality. I love his personality. I've heard really good things about him. You know, coming into college as a tight end, putting on nearly 100 pounds and switching to tackle, you don't hear that from a lot of guys. Rocking the no-teeth look, the really long hair. It just feels like a guy that should be a buccaneer. Fuck, he looks like a buccaneer. So he looks like a literal pirate. So definitely fits there. Um, their first round pick, who I totally just realized I glossed over, Kalijah Kansi. I love this fit. I don't know why I didn't think about this more going into the draft process, but him playing next to, why am I forgetting his name? Why do I want to say Siaka Then those tackle edges went to the Browns. Um, Vita Vea. There we go. It's one of those other Polynesian names. Vita Vea, though, pairing him next to Vita Vea, who we know Vita Vea, one of the very best nose tackles in the entire NFL. Um, just having Vita Vea take on double teams and eating space and then giving the opportunity for Kalijah Kansi to go one-on-one with some of these guards, it's going to be really hectic. He was extremely disruptive at Pittsburgh. Obviously, the big knock on him is his size and how he's going to handle double teams. If he's next to Vita Vea, he's not going to have to worry about that nearly as much. Love that from a schematic fit standpoint. I also think a, the reason why they're in the just-missed category, um, and again, I'm saying this as a good thing, is I think they got some really good value down in the sixth round. I love their pick at 191, Trey Palmer out of Nebraska, absolute burner. I think it's a really good value pick. Again, I think guys like that that have the intangibles of speed, you just got to take a shot on, and I really like that. Up next, Jose Ramirez, also in the sixth round at 196 out of Eastern Michigan. I think that's an absolute steal. Um, a guy that Brett Coleman actually put me on, he's got, you know, a lot of really good things on his tape. Obviously played against lower competition, but dominated there. And really surprised he ended up going to the six in the sixth round. Thought he was going to be going earlier. Now, let's talk about some of my let's talk about some 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 fits before we get in. Actually, first off, I want to talk about the Bears because I haven't mentioned it yet. I don't absolutely hate the Bears draft. I don't think it's a killer draft by any means. Let me see if I can. I'm going to pull up the whole draft here. Um, I loved the Darnell Wright pick. I thought it was the right move. It addresses an immediate need. Darnell Wright played every single snap at right tackle last year. Had some really good tape, especially against guys like Will Anderson, which you obviously love to see. Will Anderson, you know, the first defensive player taken off the board implies that he is the best defensive player in this draft. Wright, again, really, really good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Reps on tape against him. Um, and just a mauler. And run blocking and pass protecting, just absolute power in his game. You see it show up nearly each and every single rep. Um, he's extremely dominant. Obviously, the knock on him is that he really only brought it all together in his last year there at Tennessee. Didn't have great production the previous three years, I believe, he was there. But, I mean, the season he did have last year was nothing short of fantastic. He only allowed eight total pressures last year, according to PFF. And I just love the fit of the Bears. I love that, you know, I think he's a better run blocker than pass blocker, and I really think that fits the identity of the team. Pairing him next to Tevin Jenkins on the right side, that's going to be an absolutely nasty duo. Going to be a lot of pancakes coming up. Love the power they bring to the table, and I think both those guys are going to be an excellent, excellent fit together, especially running the ball to the right side of the line of scrimmage. Watch out. But this is where shit gets a little... I don't love it. I, I think we reached on Gervin Dexter at 53. I get there were a lot of defensive linemen going off the board, and it would have been kind of hard to pick anyone else. I mean, looking back on it, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember right off the top of my head who was on the board at that point, but I wasn't very high on Gervin Dexter. I don't think his upside's as crazy. I do like the pairing with Zach Pickens in terms of their skill set because I do think they bring a little bit of a different skill set to the table. Um, they tested pretty damn well, so I think that's something that our coaching staff really liked about these guys. Um, but they're not exactly, you know, great prospects. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand it from um, a value standpoint. I think that you could have gotten better value at those picks. I know that it's a need, and it was addressed, and we definitely needed defensive, especially interior defensive, you know, depth with how our coaching staff prioritizes the three tech. Um, if I'm not 
mistaken, Zach Pickens has a little more pass rush in his game, uh, a little bit smaller. Gervin Dexter, a little bit more of a run stuffer. Really long arms can stack and shed easily to you know get tackles at the line of scrimmage, but not exactly a burner. Doesn't have the best pass rush moves. So I, in a way, I like the way they complement each other there. Um, but again, just didn't really feel like very high ceiling guys. Decent floors, but when I, with a team like this, I just don't really love it. It kind of feels like an average move. I thought they reached on Tyreek Stevenson as well at 56. He's a guy I was probably lower on than most, but. I'm going to be honest, I, I did not like that pick at all when we made it. Um, I get why we took corner uh, in a way, but I really think the best pick of our entire draft in terms of value was Terrell Smith, the corner we took in the fifth round. I loved Terrell Smith. I think he's got excellent intangibles, really good speed, really good length. I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. To get him in the fifth round is an absolute steal for me. Um, Roshan Johnson, again, didn't love it. I like Tyler Scott as a value play there. But it just feels kind of like Velas Jones 2.0, but <laughs> we didn't have to spend nearly the amount of capital as we spent on Velas Jones. Neil Asul, eh. I mean, that's that's a very eh move. To get him in round 5 at 148, it's about right for the value and what he's going to bring to the table because this is a guy that's just not very laterally quick, but straight line speed definitely has it and that plays with absolute grown man strength gonna run downhill blow you up and even if he just i think trevor sikama of the nfl stock exchange kind of nailed it even if he just ends up being an all-out blitzer just screaming through the a gap for round five it's you really can't complain about that it's really not that big of a deal again i really think the best picks of our entire draft were 12 smith and darnell Wright. day two i thought we kind of fucked it up a little bit i didn't love the roshan johnson pick kind of brought it back with tyler scott noah sewell and terrell smith but overall Kind of underwhelmed with our draft, I'm not going to lie. I totally hope they prove me wrong. Loved our day one pick, so that definitely helps my opinion of a little bit. Um, and I just think people are being a little bit too nice to us. I, I get that you kind of have to factor in the capital we got in this draft for trading down from one. And in that regard, I still think Ryan Poles killed it in terms of what we got. DJ Moore and all those picks we got. But I just feel like we could have done better with the picks we had. And I, again, I'm kind of disappointed in the Gervon Dexter, Zach Pickens picks. But beyond that, I'm most disappointed in the Tyreek Stevenson one. Again, I hope they prove me wrong. Tyreek did test pretty well at the combine. And I, I just hope I'm wrong. I really, I really do. Um, one thing that is notable about Dexter is he's just over 21 years of age. Uh, he, But again, didn't really offer much as a pass rusher. Um, really not elite athleticism. And kind of just, I don't know, not really... <laughs> I don't know. From an athletic standpoint, I like him, and I like the way they tested. Even uh, Zach Pickens tested really, really damn well. And again, he's going to bring a little more of that pass rush side of him, so I like the way they complement each other there, but just didn't really feel that great. Um, tested really well, though. Both of them did. So maybe we're, you know, we're banking on the upside. We're playing the long game. And again, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong on these guys. Let's get back to some... Let's talk about some steals, and then we'll talk about some best fits that I have. Some steals, I mean, I already talked about a few of them, so I'm not going to go into too much depth about some of them. The ones that I haven't covered yet, I'll cover in bigger length. Keely Ringo, round four, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Already talked about it, a little bit lower on him than most, but can't believe he was there for the Eagles. Cam Smith, that is a fantastic pick. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. And honestly, Cam Smith and Devon A-Chain for the Miami Dolphins, you can totally put into best fits. Those guys are going to be day one starters. I get the criticism that what are you going to do um, with... Fuck, what's that undrafted rookie playing in the nickel last year for the Dolphins? God damn it. I can't remember his name. He played pretty damn well for them, my point is. It's more like, what are you going to do with him? You already have Byron Jones and Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, maybe you don't want to sit him and you know, put Cam Smith in his place. I really don't think it matters. I think this scheme is so versatile. And with Vic Fangio coming in, he loves his lockdown corners. He's such a creative defensive coordinator. He's going to find a lot of different ways to use these guys. Cam Smith, Jalen Ramsey, both guys that can play down along the line of scrimmage, aren't afraid to scream in, you know, on blitzes and tackles for loss. And also, you know, help out in the flats, uh, tackling running backs and run support as well. So overall, Absolutely love that fit. Devon A-Chain, the running back out of Texas A&M. Another just fantastic fit. Trackstar, track um, elite, elite, elite speed. In this outside zone scheme they like to run over there, um, he's going to be a fantastic fit. Can cut him a dime, and as a home run hitter, loved what they did there. Um, 
let's get back to the steals though, and we'll we'll come back to some fits that I really like. Um, already talked about this guy, Adi Tamiwa Adabare. Cannot believe he was there. Again, kind of a weird schematical fit. I thought he was going to be a defensive end, not an edge. But, I mean, to get him in the fourth round, fantastic fit. A.T. Perry for the New Orleans Saints, who I think had a pretty underwhelming draft for the most part. A.T. Perry in the seventh round, I believe it was. Oh, I should have written this down, too. Maybe it was the sixth round. Let me let me check really quick. Um, either way, sixth or seventh, it really doesn't matter. Sixth at 195. Um, definitely thought he was going to go a lot earlier than that. I think that's a really good pick for the New Orleans Saints. Terrell Smith already talked about it. My Chicago Bears taking him in the fifth round. Loved his tape, loved his intangibles. Really, really long, really athletic. Think he has potential to be a long-term starter in the NFL and to get him in the fifth round. Absolute steal. Israel Adabakanda. I cannot believe he fell to the New York Jets. That's a picture-perfect fit for them. Honestly, not obviously not the running back prospect that Brees Hall was, but brings an absolutely similar type of home run breakaway speed. And them as a duo is just going to be so explosive, especially in this running scheme that, um, you know, that LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers play action type scheme they're going to run over there. I love it. I absolutely love the fit. I think it was an absolute steal. I think I had him ranked as my fourth running back, maybe even third above Zach Charbonnet. I think I had him as my fourth. Um, so I was a lot higher on him than the most, and I really thought he was going to go earlier than guys like Ken J. Miller and a lot of those other guys. He's got, you know, RB workhorse size. He's got breakaway speed. He can't catch the ball very well and maybe doesn't have quite the quick feet and, like, wiggle as some of these other guys. But, I mean, in this scheme, he's going to be absolutely fantastic. Carl Brooks, again, I don't know why this guy lasted so long. I get that he was playing against pretty bad competition, um, at Bowling Green, but I mean to last to 179 with the tape he put up, he was fucking dominant against that bad competition. And I know there's criticisms in his length and his arm size and height and all those types of things, but it's just such a perfect fit for the Packers. They run an odd front over there. He's gonna be a defensive end in this scheme, and for him and Lucas Van Ness to come in in one draft class, you're drastically upgrading your defensive line in my opinion and i think carl brooks has the potential to come in immediately and be a rotational piece at least as a pass rusher on obvious passing downs and hate to say it but it was a really damn good pick for the packers up next luke weipler this is another pick that i just can't fathom there must have been medical issues like it had to have been this guy is just way too polished he's way too smart he was helping out cj stroud a shit ton on pass protection last year at ohio state and if you don't know who Luke Weipler is, he's Ohio State's starting center. I don't know. I know there were issues with his size and his length, and maybe, you know, he's only going to be a center no matter what, and you're just going to plug him and play there. But, I mean, he was pretty polished as a prospect, and again, really smart guy. I don't know why the fuck he fell to the seventh round. That was an absolute steal for the Browns and good for them. Up next, Andre um, Eos. I, don't, I always fuck this guy's name up. I literally just repeated it to myself before I started recording. Because I was trying to get it down. So let, let, just bear with me here. Andre Iosavas. I don't know if that's right. But wide receiver coming out of Princeton. Legit vertical threat. Um, going to the Cincinnati Bengals. They don't really have a guy like that right now. And we know how much they love to air the ball out. Really, really smart guy. Obviously coming out of Princeton. Like what he's able to do. Really big frame. A lot of these intangibles that I keep talking about. And for him to fall all the way to the, I believe it was the fifth round. Really, really good value pick there. Um, where's where's his name? It was a sixth round at 206, so even better. Up next, Zach Kuntz. Uh, this is a guy I talked about a lot in the pre-draft process because he tested insane. His numbers were fucking dumb. One of the best combine performances ever by a tight end. Um, he got overshadowed a lot by Darnell Washington, but if you haven't seen his stats or if you, know, you haven't seen, go on Mock Draftable right now and look at his spider chart. It's... Everything is like 99th percentile. This dude is fucking insane. Really, really big frame. Really, really athletic. I just don't know why someone like this, you know, goes in the seventh. I don't know why someone doesn't take a shot on those intangibles earlier because this is legit an all-world athlete that not a lot of other tight ends have even measured anywhere close to this guy. So, Zach Kuntz going to the New York Jets in the seventh round. Absolute amazing pick for them there. Up next... Two undrafted guys that I just can't believe they went undrafted. First, I mean, it's a little more believable because he had some injury problems, but Eli Ricks 
cornerback out of Alabama going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course he is, another SEC guy going to the Philadelphia Eagles. But he wasn't on the field very much. When he was, he was really damn good. Uh, I don't know how serious the medical issues are. That must have been why he ended up undrafted. But, again, can't believe he went undrafted. Really good pickup for the Philadelphia Eagles. Up next, the New York Giants potentially get a guy that can start for them as an undrafted free agent. This is a guy who, excuse me, goddamn, my sickness is catching up. I'm talking too much. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton is the guy who I'm talking about. He's got huge size. I talked about him a lot after the combine. He tested insane, had like a 40-plus inch vertical, ran in the 4-4-3s, insane broad jump, just tested out of this world. And again, from a receiver standpoint, where athleticism is so important, and this is a guy who showed, you know, he's got the intangibles that you can teach. Um, maybe, you know, his route running was not very good. And there are some things that you got to fix up a little bit. But if he just ends up being a straight-line guy, mossing people in the end zone, you can coach that much into him, that's absolutely worth picking up as an undrafted free agent. And again, just a guy based off intangibles, I can't believe he ended up going undrafted. Up next, honestly, I was going to talk about some of my best fits, but I already kind of talked about them as I was going. Uh, I'm realizing, like, the only two I haven't brought up, and this is really saving the Lions draft for me, because I think they absolutely killed it after day one was a little bit confusing for me. I'm really surprised they went Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. Don't get me wrong, those are really good players, and where the spot their roster is at, they don't really need to fill a whole lot of holes. holes excuse me, linebackers definitely something they needed for fill, and I think they did so with Jack Campbell. I think they could have waited to get him in the second round. He might have ended up being there, but the fact that Brian Branch fell into the laps of the second round, that is just an absolutely amazing fit, and he... He, he fits exactly what Dan Campbell's trying to do. Um, hard-nosed, gritty, willing to tackle, can be super versatile, play nickel, play down in the box. Um, love that fit. And then Hendon Hooker, another really, really good fit for the Detroit Lions. This is a guy doesn't have to start immediately, obviously coming off an ACL tear, a little bit of an older prospect, but played really, really well in his system there at Tennessee. And just being able to get him in the building, sitting him behind Goff, who's obviously not an elite you know pro but he's a pro's pro he's been in the league for a long time Hendon can definitely learn from him and I absolutely love that he just doesn't have to come into a team that you know wants him to start early he can take his time learn from some of these pros and I think it's an absolute steal for the Detroit Lions I've been talking for fucking ever I'm gonna go watch the Nuggets game I hope you guys enjoyed this episode kind of got away from me a little bit talking about all these prospects but hope you enjoyed it be sure to go follow me over on instagram at murphy's league i appreciate each and every single one of y'all and peace out